I think the unique challenge for the credit union is to stay current with technology, certainly not fall behind technology-wise and how they interact with customers, but to remain uniquely focused on the communities they serve in a very visible way. Well, good afternoon or morning to all of you, depending on where you may be in the world. It's a pleasure for me to bring a brand new podcast onto the scene and one that's specific to Credit Union Nation. I'm Glenn Frechette. Anyone that knows me understands that I can't do anything without a bit of preamble. Uh, but to be fair, this is our soft launch. So you won't find any fancy edits uh, or progr program preludes for that matter. Uh, we are live and this is going to be content rich. I wanna focus on leadership and that's really the intent behind the podcast. I want to be able to see you lead. Now, my promise to you is to bring together uh, leaders from across the industry to impart wisdom on all of our listeners. I want them to have a genuine desire, my guess that is, uh, to want to pay it forward. Uh, for those of you that know me well and have heard me through various mediums, you know that I have begun to follow a series known as Halftime. And what that series and institute for that matter preaches is that we all have a responsibility to mentor generations that follow. Uh, so welcome to episode one of CU Lead. I am delighted uh, to welcome an individual with whom I deeply respect uh, as a mentor of mine, both professionally and for what he values personally uh, and perhaps most importantly. Brian Kratz is an incredibly accomplished senior executive, having been in and around credit unions throughout his entire career. Uh, and I'm excited to have him tell you all about it. Brian, welcome to you. Thank you, Glenn, glad to be here. I uh, appreciate your uh, getting me on here and I'm looking forward to it. It's good to see you again. Well, good to see you. And what part of the world am I finding you in today? I know you're bopping around a little bit. I'm in the Queen City today, headed south uh, tomorrow. Going to okay, keep the great. snow out of here. Well, uh, I, when we close together, uh, of course, I want to ask you what's on your agenda for the holidays. Uh, but before we get to that, Brian, do me a favor. Just help our listeners to get an appreciation and to put into context all that you've done inside of Credit Union Nation and how you've been able to influence leaders. Wow, um, makes me feel old to tell you this. Um, yeah, that's so circa early 90s, you know, just a new graduate out of college uh, looking to try to find my way. Um, I ironically was working for a bank on about another bank that was processing for a bunch of credit unions. And they took the rookie and sent me up to Toledo, Ohio to help convert 27 small credit unions in Toledo, Ohio. So me gone for three months, um, had no idea what I was doing. And I began to kind of get the sense for the difference between banks and credit unions. It was awkward because I was working for a bank, but helping credit unions. So, you know, that led to uh, larger roles within the payments industry and somehow, some way it always led to kind of a credit union heavy um, influence for me. And uh, for that, you know, I, I'm thankful because I enjoy calling on credit unions, and I think credit unions have such a great diversity as you move across this country. It just keeps it fresh, and it's a great space to be in. 
So not to say that the lines are crystal clear in terms of black and white individual contributors versus that of leaders, but it sounds like you've spent the vast majority of your career in executive leadership roles, not necessarily uh, as a frontline individual contributor. Well, yeah, I, I guess by title, Glenn, but I mean, you know, as well as, um, as anybody, I mean, I'm, I kind of never really left that role of frontline, you know, roll your sleeves up and, and know your customer and work side by side with your employee. Um, so yeah, while in title, um, I wasn't an account executive anymore. I kind of never really left my DNA and, and until to this day, I don't, I don't place a lot of value on titles, honestly. Well, uh, I, I can tell you firsthand, it's one of the things that I admire most about you. And this is where I get you to squirm a little bit, perhaps. Uh, but if you look across your career, or if you look back on your career, I, I know that you've had a tremendous following. Would you attribute the fact that people have clung to you and wanted to follow you because of what you've just described? Uh, maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I, I count myself uh, greatly blessed in that regard because, you know, as any good coach would tell you, um, you're only as good as your team, you know, the players you have on your team. And I don't care who you are. You're um, you're living in a fantasy world if you don't accept that on day one. But um, I don't know, Glenn. I've just tried to communicate really clearly um, and tried to stay on a even keel with with my team and make sure that they understand that there will never be a day that I'm going to ask them to do something that I haven't done or won't do. Um, and I, and I, you know, just try to focus on communication. I think people appreciate that. Um, I know I appreciate it. I, I you know, as a kid, I liked my parents, I like to know exactly where I stood with my parents, my coaches, my teachers. And, um, I think innately people like that. And, uh, so I err on that side. People always know, you know, where I stand with them and, um, what I value and in turn, they, they communicate real good with me and that helps a ton. So it feels like since March of 2020, what has been in vogue is this desire for employers to show flexibility uh, with, with their own employees. And I think that has become appreciated for the general workforce is to lead a life where Frankly, all things are considered and taken into consideration, uh, not only the work product you put out every day, but the personal demands that all of us have. Is that something that resonates with you? Have you seen the world change in terms of uh, this need to become increasingly more flexible? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm glad. I'm happy to see it, honestly. I mean, you know, I've kind of felt like in my life, you know, I think about um, the example I always use is John Wooden, since we're talking leadership here, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. And I don't know that anyone has matched his success to this day. And one of the things that he always preached and um, talks about often in his books um, is that everybody's a little different and flexibility in leadership is highly valuable in that if you take the approach to treat everyone the same or have a very rigid set of development standards or performance standards, you often miss the boat in terms of getting to people's true potential. You know, and th think of that even in a credit union space where you have members um, and, and you're trying to not just service your employees and lead your employees, but you're trying to establish a leadership role as a credit union to your members. I mean, you got to be flexible, right? I mean, you have to really be able to adapt um, in multiple ways, but also 
know what they're looking for because every single one of your members isn't the same either, right? Just like your team members aren't. Hmm. So here again, I get to dote on you a little bit, but what the heck, you're our first guest and I just simply happen to know you really well. The development of people I know is really important to you. Uh, and, and one of the things that you did for me early on in my career was to, to take me under your wing, particularly in the financial services business. Can you talk to our listeners about your process or methodology in terms of the development of people? Well, well, in your case, it involved answering dozens of questions on back-to-back -back days at any time of the day, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> um, I'm sure you remember those days when you left uh, the payroll industry and entered the payment space. Um, no, I mean, you know, development is, is comes in so many different forms, right? And there's been so many books written about it and and so many people that take really rigid approaches to it. And, and I don't take a, a very rigid approach. What what I try to do is work with and side by side um, my team members, whether they be managers, leaders, or, or individual contributors, because I think what happens is if you kind of have consistent, what I consider consistent and repeatable behavioral patterns, meaning who I am every day when I get up doesn't change, right? That's who I'm going to be. When I get in front of the customer, that doesn't change. That's who I'm going to be. Um, I think people will replicate that in, in, in their own style, right? Instead of presenting for them and doing role playing, which I was never a big fan of. I like just being me and letting them take some of that and put their special kind of energy into it. And then it's really cool because you see a person's true style potential kind of emerge and you feel like, Hey, he got a little bit of what, you know, what I have. And, and then now he's going to have something um, uniquely his own or her own. And, um, so while I don't subscribe to any particular method or book, I think it's model behavior is the most valuable of all um, when it comes to quality leadership. Yeah, so not to state what ought to be obvious or cliche at this point, I think that uniqueness alone really helps us to diversify the kind of teams that we can create to be most productive. Yeah, right. You don't, um, I, I think that's, that's a great point. I mean, if you've got a team of very, um, similar, very same type of skill set folks, I think it's difficult to reach your potential as a team. I mean, obviously you want each one of your folks to be super successful, but you know, the most successful individuals are usually operating in, in a highly, you know, high performance environment where everyone around them is making them a little better. Um, and I'd say as a leader, you, you, you open your mind, eyes to that sometimes, because I, I think people make me better a lot just because of, you know, they, they add a compliment to what you think you're doing out there. I think if you have great people working for you, all of a sudden your job becomes tremendously easy, right? It's just, it, you almost feel guilty having the job because it's, you know, it's, it's not work. Right. Right. Well, let me bring it back to credit union leadership for a moment. Uh, again, I feel like your purview is such that you've been able on a national basis to look at a lot of different credit unions. Are there commonalities in terms of strengths that you see with leadership that you've begun to really respect as you've looked back? Oh, um, yeah, good, good question. You know, I always could sense an energy when you walk into a, a credit union that really has, it's going places, right? It's growing, that's um, 
got a really cool brand that has really engaged employees. I can always sense that when I walk into to a credit union, whether it be one of their branches, their headquarters, wherever it might be. Um, I kind of have that sense that when it feels good, you know, there, you, you see smiles, you see energy, you see that extra kind of can-do type mentality. That has to come from leadership, right? I mean, th those credit unions have to be communicating at a super high level. And the reason they're probably growing is because they're doing the same thing to their members, right? They're communicating at a high level. They're at really quality brand integrity that they all believe in. Um, you know, think about that right now with, you know, the thing that I know is prevalent um, in just about every region of the country is we've got some massive consolidation going on in the credit union space, right? I mean, banking world has seen it. And I think I'm seeing more of it in the credit union space. And, you know, your employees wonder about that. Your members wonder about it. Um, those The really well-led credit union seems like that's not a concern to their employees or their members, right? They That's been communicated and there's confidence and there's a common mission at, in play. And, you know, that stuff shines through as much to me when I was calling on one as it would a member who's walking in to maybe start a new relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know you're right. Uh, I have seen much of the same that you've described. But, but I want to not step on glass here. I want to be a, a little bit tough in terms of being able to bring to the forefront something you've seen as a challenge that seems to um, impair credit union leadership. And I realize we're painting with a broad brush, but it's your opinion. It's your perspective. Is there anything in, the, in particular that you can provide as helpful insight that may be challenging credit union leaders that you're seeing? Well, I, I think the thing that always um, crossed my mind is, and, and, and always I think was a challenge for me too, um, calling on credit unions is, you know, there's this balance in any community we go to, right? Where you've got a bank, that might be a local bank, that might be an out of town bank, it might be one of the big behemoth banks. And then you have these uniquely community-oriented credit unions, right? I mean, that that's what they are at their roots. And I know we have bigger credit unions now than we ever have before, but uniquely to me, that's always been the draw to a, a credit union. It's, it's, they're a part of the community. I think the challenge right now is to keep that it, it, because as you, as we get disintermediated with technologies, competing disruptive apps, um, both financial and, and otherwise, um, and then you have this, what I consider kind of a, a dumbed down of the banking experience to a certain extent, right? Telephone booth lob, uh, brick and mortar spaces where you walk in, you get in with your debit card and you go in, you do your transaction, you never talk to a human being. I think the unique challenge for the credit union is to stay current with technology, certainly not fall behind technology wise and how they interact with customers, but to remain uniquely focused on the communities they serve in a very visible way, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, to be to be very intentional about that because I think it sets it sets them apart um, more than they probably uh, know it does. Well, then I then I have to get granular with you for just a moment. You've just mentioned community more than once, and I concur wholeheartedly. It's 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 a trademark of credit unions, no doubt, uh, is to be heavily community involved. But but let's specifically talk about giving. Uh, giving to philanthropic organizations and nonprofits and charities. 
Is there a particular memory that you have, maybe current or in the past, uh, where you've seen an exemplary act that you'd like to point out? You know, I, I'm not going to use names um, because I don't have the permission to, but I'll tell you where, where I am here in, in Cincy right now. Um, there's one in particular institution here that if even if I knew nothing about the institution and had never called on them um, um, or didn't even know anything about, you know, the credit union space, they, they just impressed me in a uh, way that I got to imagine is just doing wonders for their business and their brand. And um, they're so visible, um, went to one of their, um, not intentionally, I just was up at a shopping center and there was something going on in the parking lot and it was a charity event I could tell. And just turns out that that what they were offering I needed. So I, I drove over there and the amount of energy, you know, they're all wearing t-shirts that in a very small way had the name of the credit union on it, but it had more the mission of the day, what, what they were doing. And the, the amount of energy and the amount of um, enthusiasm, I mean, just people having a really good time. I can't imagine how that doesn't act as the best commercial any, you know, any credit union could possibly put out there to attract new members. I mean, it's, um, it, it, it was just really impressive. And I, I think as leaders, we got to think about that, you know, not doing it for vanity's sake so much because yeah, there are great causes that, that we support. And, and I have many that I support on a monetary level, but think of it more broadly as, as what that's going to do for your team, um, what that's going to do for your community and probably most importantly, what it's going to do for your overall brand and success serving that community um, in a unique way, right? So the reason I love the example you're sharing, Brian, is because this particular credit union, it sounds like, they didn't know they were on stage with you. You weren't interviewing them. You happen to stumble across it. Uh, and I think that's where I see credit unions shine the brightest is when no one's looking. Uh, so right. sorry to be cliche with that one. Uh, but that's what happens every single day. And in order for credit unions to continue to segregate themselves from the pack of financial institutions that are all the same, it's behavior like that that they need to continue to exhibit. Yeah, and, and, you're, get, and you're getting so much bang for your buck there as a leader. Think about it. I mean, you're getting um, buy-in from your team. Uh, you're getting cooperation and, and teamwork. Um, you, you're getting an open advertisement to your community. I mean, you're, you're demonstrating as a leader that you're you're down there with them. You're doing it with them. I mean, I'm sure the CEO was in that group. I'm positive he was just by how they were interacting. You know, I didn't, they didn't have shirts on that said, I'm a teller, I'm the CEO, right? But I mean, um, yeah. So, you know, from a leadership perspective, I think of that a little selfishly, right? What can it do for me that, that, I, that it can also do for my organization, I guess? Yeah. So I want to be able to close each of these podcasts that I do by giving our guest the opportunity to highlight a nonprofit that's really important to them uh, for personal reasons or otherwise. Maybe it's pure admiration. Uh, and the reason for that, Brian, is although we have an angle here very much for this podcast to be about interviewing uh, credit union leaders, in order to make us all prosper and get better at what we do every day to lead people. Uh, we care a lot about philanthropic giving and we care a lot about the nonprofits we serve. So is there one in particular that comes to mind for you that's personal for your family? Tell us about that and tell us why that might be the case. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, if you would ask me that question on September 27th, uh, my answer may have been slightly different. Um, but right now it's kind of top of mind for me, Glenn, you know, I got a place down in Florida and I, my wife and I and family spend a tremendous amount of time in the outdoors. Um, big, big fans of fishing and boating and just everything that is God's creation down, down South. And, um, you know, we had a massive storm and it, it hit us pretty bad in our area. So I, I've been really tuned in more now than I was before to a group called Captains for Clean Water. And I'm sorry, can you say Captain Captains what? for Clean Water. Captains for Clean Water. Yeah, dot org is there if you ever if you want to check them out. I mean, I'm sure your brother probably knows of them. Um, and right now they've pivoted to being really focused on keeping the water clean and educating people on the issues that challenge our environment in that particular area. But they quickly pivoted when, when most of the fishing captains were out of work and people's homes were destroyed and people were in desperate need of help. And they all just kind of got together with their boats that were no longer charterable because the waters were not fishable and just started helping people. And um, mm. I can't think of a, you know, a more inspiring story. These are a lot of guys that, you know, anywhere from your 60-year-old fishing captain down to your guy that just started the business, their livelihood's taken from them, and they're giving back, day one, yeah. right? They're on their boat. They're on their, I mean, it was like an army of boats coming out of the channel with these guys, just asking to help, right? So I think that's pretty cool, and it's a great cause, so I'm really focused on them right now. Uh, well, that's a good one. Now you've made me feel guilty. I mean, I lead a pretty good life, I would say, and I'm incredibly grateful for it, uh, but what the heck do I have to complain about when you share a story like that? Uh, yeah, it's but, good stuff. Thank, it's, you know, out, out of these horrible events often comes some really inspiring stories, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, Brian, thank you. I appreciate you uh, taking the lumps alongside of me as we get through our soft launch. Uh, we're going to officially kick off with CU Lead in January uh, in a continued live podcast fashion. Uh, so for any of you that may be tuning in today that would like to be a guest on the show and you happen to be a leader inside of a credit union or tangential to Credit Union Nation, I'd love the opportunity to hear from you. Thank you for all for tuning in. Most importantly, Brian, thank you. Happy holidays to you. Thank you very much, Glenn. And good luck with these. I think you got a great thing going. Thank you very much. Take care.